Dear friends in Christ, when you are going to God in prayer and you are asking him for something, how do you do that? I would guess that most of the time you go with humility, understanding that God is greater than sinful little you. I would think that you go to him with understanding that he reserves the right to say no if that's what pleases him and that is what is best for you. And above all, I think that you probably do indeed ask, not tell God what you want him to do for you. From time to time, it is possible that we get this requesting from God, this humble requesting, wrong. It can happen that our attitude isn't exactly right in approaching our Savior. You heard in the gospel for today that two of Jesus' disciples came to him with a request. It didn't sound humble, nor did it sound like they were thinking they could get a no answer from him. Oh, and it wasn't really a request, was it? It was really a statement, an expectation that Jesus would do whatever they wanted. What those disciples were lacking was a proper spirit of humility and selflessness, which then leads to serving others. As we look at this interaction between Jesus and his disciples, we're reminded of Jesus' service to sinners, and we learn about our service to others. James and John, two of Jesus' closest friends, needed Jesus to teach them. Their ambition moved them to make a bold request of God's son. Matthew's gospel tells us that that even their mother, Salome, was involved with presenting this to Jesus. Teacher, we wish that you would do for us whatever we ask. (laughs) That Jesus even, that he even tolerated this request is a testimony to his patience and his willingness to teach. You might remember that he was less patient with the presumptuous pride of the Pharisees, but here um, he wanted to teach these disciples. Here he continued to gently teach them. And in his approach, you see Jesus' service to sinners. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. Promise that we may sit one at your right and one at your left in your glory. You see, much like you and me, James and John had some ambition. They had some desire, some drive for something that they wanted. But it wasn't limited to things in this world like ours often is. What these uh, sons of thunder, as Jesus called them, prized were positions of honor and glory in heaven. And you heard that the other disciples were angry and offended at these disciples and their ambitious request. Perhaps the others remembered that Jesus had recently been through all of this with them, twice. Once as they were arguing about who was the greatest among them, and the other when they were not allowing the little children to come to Jesus. And so again, he taught them to have humility, and he squashed their talk about being the greatest in God's kingdom. Again, you notice that their request did not sound like a humble prayer. 
No, there, there is a, a certain determination there. They were looking for Jesus to say yes to them even before they told him what they were after. They were trying to lock him into doing whatever they wanted him to do. Now, you and I may, without thinking much about it, be much like these disciples. We may be concerned a lot less about what God wants for our lives and more concerned with what we want for our lives. And much of this has to do uh, more with our lives in this world than it does about our lives in heaven. For instance, we may strive to have the best, the closest family, and we do all sorts of things to make that happen, but those are very worldly things. So as we focus on these other things, we end up giving little attention to the biblical direction that would steer us toward family devotions and bedtime prayers and Sunday school and lifeliners and, and godly discipline in the home and weekly worship as a family and many other things. We would serve our families best if we focused first on those things with heaven in mind. If it's money that we strive for, we might ask God to bless us with a job or pray that our, our uh, retirement plans and our investments do well while our offerings represent a selfish and untrusting heart that ignores what God says about giving to him. Personal needs are put above the church's needs which would allow us to serve people with the gospel. If it's power or influence we want, whether that's in our business or in our communities or, or even here at church, we may not treat people that well or only treat them well if that's a benefit to us. All the while forgetting God's instruction about being selfless, about putting others first, about being patient and loving and kind and, and doing things that, that actually serve them. So you don't have to look at many politicians to see ambition gone wrong. We're reminded here that even followers of Jesus get it wrong. And you and I are guilty too. What we find in Jesus, however, is very different. Would it surprise you to know that Jesus had, had just filled his disciples in on what he was going to do to serve sinners? He had literally just finished telling them this. Look, we are going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and experts in the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. On the third day, he will rise again. And then James and John do this. <laughs> Clearly, they, they believed the part about the resurrection, at least, because they were thinking about heaven when they approached Jesus. But still, the lack of spiritual understanding is astounding, isn't it? Jesus tells them that he will suffer and die, that he's going to do the things that the Messiah was promised to do. And instead of just being thankful and praising Jesus for it, they're concerned about what they could get for themselves. 
specifically honor and glory in heaven. Well, they would soon see all of this happen, and it would impact their lives in every way. Jesus' service to sinners would move them then to give their very lives in thankfulness and service to Jesus and in service to others. What they witnessed, you and I see by faith. We see that Jesus was betrayed by Judas and handed over to the religious authorities. His death sentence by Pilate, the torture carried out by the Gentiles, the the Roman soldiers, the rejection, the mistreatment, crucifixion, and then his amazing resurrection from death. After being instructed by Jesus and seeing him do all things well and and witness him uh, giving his life as a ransom for sinners, after all of that, their lives and their attitudes changed entirely. They finally understood what it meant to serve Jesus with their lives, and that meant serving others too. They loved Jesus for his forgiveness and the victory that his resurrection brought to them. Jesus was their savior. And he was their example of how to live in this world out of love for him. What they thought they could do, they couldn't do. But Jesus did. He drank the cup of suffering that brought forgiveness and life to sinners. He was appointed to bring salvation. Jesus made the ultimate difference for all people as he served sinners. But Jesus did tell them, you will drink the cup that I am going to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am going to be baptized with. They would be appointed to proclaim Jesus' service for sinners. And they would suffer and die for it. All but one, according to scripture and and history. They would not save the world as Jesus did, but their service to others would bring salvation to many. Jesus' followers today are also called to serve others, and the Savior's instructions are for them too. You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. But that is not the way it is to be among you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you will be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you will be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. We treasure the love and the forgiveness and the salvation that Jesus' ransom brings to us. We too see the example that Jesus set for us in serving others. And so we, we put behind us the, the sins of improper pride and focus and ambition, knowing that those sins are forgiven by Christ. And we adopt a new attitude. We're not looking to exercise authority over others. We're looking to serve them instead. We're looking to be servants of all, slaves even. I recently met a man who shared his experience with me um, in a number of places in our country and in some other countries too. Social services and humanitarian aid were where he directed his time and his efforts throughout his working years. 
I had asked him what he did, and, and his response was very humble as he talked about this. And, and I told him, that sounds like a life of serving others. As Jesus' disciples, we are to be filled with, with kind acts and efforts of caring and love. God would have us share with those in need. He would have us help those who are hurting. He expects us to, to comfort those who grieve. We're called by God to serve others. And there's no shortage of people that we can serve as we think about our families and our neighbors, people we work with, people we go to school with. In addition to all that, Jesus tells us to go out into all the world and make disciples. We're to take on the work that John, John, James and John and all the rest of the disciples did. The ransom of Christ that, that, used, that he used to pay us, to pay back um, God's expectations that we have broken. To pay back and to pay for hell. It wasn't just for us. It was for everyone. And we understand that. We understand what Jesus did so you and I are in the perfect position to serve others with the saving gospel. Serving Jesus and serving others are the only proper responses to the love of Jesus. So it's with true love for Jesus and true love for others that, that we work for the earthly and the spiritual benefit of the people around us. It's not a desire for greatness that pleases our Savior, but a spirit of selflessness and humility. God says this elsewhere in Scripture. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or empty conceit, but in humility consider one another better than yourselves. Let each of you look carefully not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Only Jesus' sacrifice for us and the Holy Spirit working on us can change our hearts. That change of hearts and that loving service to others, they're proof of faith in the one who loved us with all of his heart and served sinners like us. Jesus promises us then, uh, not seats at the right and the left of him on his throne in glory, but life in heaven most certainly. Until that day comes for us, may Jesus' service to you give you the desire to serve sinners. And may God help you to see the opportunity to serve others. And may the Holy Spirit move you to serve others. Amen.